Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Blog Talk Radio and our lovely little channel of the world <laughs> called The Dash. Peter Meagles, are you here? Peter's right here. All right, good, because you're kicking it off this evening. I think I am kicking I think I am kicking it off this evening. First of all, everyone, thanks for being here. It is Monday, the 21st of January, the year 2013, and you look at the month so far and you say I'm either behind or ahead of my goals one way or another, and chances are probably a little bit of both. But we are here today to talk about something kind of, well, something special, kind of special in our interpretation of it, if you will. There's two things that are happening today. Of course, Mr. President Barack Obama is uh, going through his second uh, phase of his uh, presidency. And then we have the uh, birthday of Martin Luther King Jr. And um, we're going to focus mostly on the dream of the Martin Luther King Jr. experience. And that's what we figured we would be remiss in our possibilities if we didn't speak about these things um, on this call. So I'll kind of go first, as lots of people have had a really busy week. And uh, as they're warming up for whatever's going to happen next, um, we're going to get started. So I'm going to state the obvious, and hopefully for educational purposes, um, no one gets mad at anything that I'm going to say next, but here we go. I'm a white dude that grew up starting in 1962 is when I was born. So a lot of the stuff that happened with Martin Luther King and the dream thing was, quite honestly, I think I was probably still being potty trained when most of this stuff was really happening. Overshare. Overshare. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, sorry. (laughs) And Dawn's even newer at this than I am, so we both kind of missed the real experience. Yes, for sure. So having stated that, um, I I apologize in advance to anyone that might miss the deeper meaning to maybe some of the things that happened. So we're giving you, like, the the newer age version of what we think might have happened because we didn't live during those times. Mm -hmm. But... We certainly have respect for the people that did, and we certainly have respect for a lot of the things that that the the people went through to forge their way for the very spoiled us. Oh gosh, that's the key. Is that we're where is today's Martin Luther King? But we'll get there in a little while. Exactly. So we just (laughs) we just really have to state, you know, for me, I playfully say this: a white dude who didn't Mm -hmm. have to deal with a lot of the prejudice that many other people have gone through, is that there's I can't change who I am or what I do in relationship to the background that I had, but I certainly can have a huge respect for a lot of people that have started off maybe before the starting line. So I'm going to say this in a very positive way, I hope, is everybody most likely that's listening in has the opportunity to be spoiled, meaning we start at such a uh, ahead of the curve game than many people like us before that. I want to pay respect for those people that paved that way. Mm-hmm. So, having said those things, um, I I'm going to share with you my version of the things perhaps that I had learned and the vision that I take moving forward, and it's going to mostly focus on the vision. There were some obvious issues that were happening around that time. As I was doing a little bit of research for this, um, the legal victory in Montgomery came on November 13th of 1956 when the U.S. Supreme Court agreed that racial segregation uh, had to stop on the city buses and that it was unconstitutional. I don't know who was on. I don't know who was on that. Um, 
Supreme Court thing at that time, but I don't even think he needed a Supreme Court ruling to realize that that was pro- there were probably a lot of things that were just going wrong. And before they made it official, it was probably known that it was wrong for a really long time prior to that. And in 1956, that's a full five or six years even before I was born, so there must have been a whole big history relative to those things. But one thing that we were able to identify, at least I was, is that several individuals, lots of them, hundreds, hundreds of thousands perhaps, realized that some things had to change. And certain people were maybe um, the, the ones that actually led that change, but there was a whole culture shift on the concept of change. And if we kind of ride that into the dash and onto this radio show relative to the things that are happening here, I think we're in a very, very, very similar change situation with the economy, with the country, with the direction that we're going, with the direction the world is going. So I think we're in another one of those really lifestyle-changing situations, and I think we're kind of witnessing it as we speak. To even think that the people before us had to handle the basic and elementary rights of other people is almost unfathomable. But, again, that's the age of today versus the way the world was way back when. So we know there have been a lot of mistakes that have been made, not to minimize or poo-poo any of those types of things, but relative to the dream and the dreamer, what a great day to talk about making those measurable changes. And with no disrespect of me not really having lived during any of those challenges, as tough as they must have inevitably been. Um, Most of us that are on the phone right now have a shot at taking advantage of all of the really great things that have happened as a result of the heroes like the Martin Luther King who fought for what he believed in and unfortunately died as a result of the misgivings of whatever it was that happened relative to whoever, what was going on in that person's brain when they did whatever they did. But the reality was um, he did what he needed to do to make a difference and make a change. And that's some of the things that we're doing over here on Dash Radio to help people create that environment so we can make their measurable changes to add some meaning to people's lives. So that's what and I want to don't and, and, and God help us if we ever have to put our lives on the line to do that, you know. There's there's a lot of things out there, Peter, that we all take our risks, we take our we take our lumps and and you know, sometimes we put ourselves out there a little too far, but you know, people like Martin Luther King don't come around every day. And right. it's pretty amazing when somebody is willing to go ahead and literally he risked his life every day getting out of bed, this guy, you know, for the lives of all of his people. So, and and it's just an, he's an admirable guy. And with the lack of the same level of sophistication relative to security that we might have today, took inevitable risks that eventually took his life. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, and what a shame. Um, it's a shame that the dreamer um, might have been assassinated, but the dream certainly wasn't. That's and, right. And he was willing to do that sacrifice, a, a, you know, a heck of a lot. So let's start to talk about some of those things relative to where we are right now. Mm-hmm. First of all, and I hope nobody internationally is going to really get mad at me about this one, but a lot of us live in the United States. And regardless of as messed up as it sometimes feels relative to the politicians that are out there, we are very fortunate to have the environment where a lot of things are possible. So as someone living here and being able to be on the phone or maybe on their computer listening in, I always remember 
to be thankful that we live in a great country where a lot of these things are possible. So for guys like me, the white dude, for lack of a better expression, with the European, if you will, background, I've never really had the same level of prejudice uh, against guys like, you know, as opposed to maybe some other people. Um, Although my forefathers uh, felt that way when they came off the boat over in the U.S. as treated as second-class citizens. But in my day and age, never really had to deal with that very much. Um, Right now, um, even the women, Dawn, you're a woman on the line, there are countries still where just because of your gender, you would have no, no, no or none of the privileges that you currently do right here. I share articles in the newspaper and examples all the time with my daughter about how fortunate sometimes we um, are spoiled. We don't even think about those things, like how gender could be a good or a bad thing, where in yeah. many sections of the world still gender is an issue. To be honest with you, I lived in South Africa in the 1980s, and um, and apartheid was running strong in the 1980s over there. And and um, I actually, for somebody who's of my age and gender, had a really unique experience when I opened up the classifieds and looked at the classifieds broken down by white men and black men and white women and black women. And that was my 19-year-old experience. And, um, it, you know, so... On a day like today where somebody like Martin Luther King is being celebrated and you're bringing this interesting stuff up, um, you know, I did have that kind of experience. And I was infuriated as a white female American, you know, in a foreign country going, what do you mean? (laughs) You know, what do you mean? I know how to do this stuff. Why can't I have this job, you know? And um, so I got this tiny little overprivileged, miraculous slice of what that would look like. And... um, it's a horrible feeling, Peter, you know, and, and going back to South Africa just a couple of years ago, I, I watched how the tables had turned and um, watched people who, you know, white South African males weren't even allowed to leave the country or go to college over there right now and um, have had some really interesting peeks into, you know, some really horrible stuff that have really, they've shaped who I am today you know so i'm grateful for the experiences but you know they're experiences of the suffering of other people you know and uh and that's always a really a really heavy time for me but i think that you know we we do walk around really really lucky and nobody that uh, there's a very very small percentage of people that i walk by in this country every day that really get it you know 12 percent of americans have their passports two percent use them I think is what <laughs> the statistic was. So I know that I'm a very small slice of, of, of person who's ever gone from my country over to South Africa in the 1980s that had that experience. Um, but I can say that it's it's tough stuff, and it's um, it's amazing what our kids get to live in. And, and the people who are out there right now who look at Barb, Barb Gent and her story and go, I don't have any excuses, you know. Well, Barb doesn't really even have any if she was over in, in South Africa in the 1980s, she wouldn't be going to medical school. So, you know, she wouldn't be allowed to fight past her obstacles and go. <laughs> so, we're, like, no matter how unlucky you might be in America in 2013, you are really, really lucky. Um, you know, I just, Alex and I were in 
Nepal just a couple of years ago, and friends of ours, Nitin and Durga, were walking um, into our house, and they kind of knocked super fast, and they ran in the door at 8 o'clock at night. We're like, what's the matter? Because was, he was taking her to the hospital. She had bronchitis. And they came in the door laughing, mind you. This is how normal this is for a Nepali couple in their home country, in the hospital that they're trying to go and get her lungs checked in, that, that the Maoist had smoke-bombed their hospital, so they had to go back tomorrow. <laughs> and and we just sat there looking as they were laughing about this. And they're like, you're all right. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're okay. They, they'll never, they, they never do this to the tourist hospital. They only do it to our hospitals. We don't understand. And And I thought, wow. They're pre- they're taking they can't get medical care today really really well. I know people who sit in an emergency room for two hours that make sure everyone in the emergency room knows how long they've been waiting. Um, I've never seen anybody this happy about. Um, I think I'll go tomorrow. We've been smoke bombed. <laughs> you have to have a really good sense of humor in situations like that, huh? I think so, and it really <laughs> it really has to do with perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does have to do with perspective and something to compare it to. So not that I or maybe you are a spokesperson for everyone that might be listening in, but the reality is, is I think to pay respect for the idea that we don't have to deal with a lot of the issues in this country that other people before us have had to do. So I, when we were talking about a topic for today, mm-hmm. I wanted to point out the obvious respect for yeah. all the people that, have, that do or have done and will do the things to make it easier and better, but also, to a certain extent, the frustration of those that don't understand that, you know, with all these obstacles taken away, why can't we do great things? So there's really no there's no excuse anymore as far as the obstacles, for the most part, for many people, including myself, to be able to take advantage of the things and do great and wonderful things. So that was one of the things that I wanted to reference over here. Also, one of the things that I wanted to reference is to use as an example people like Martin Luther King and, of course, Mr. Obama, who's politically I might uh, disagree on a lot of things, but the reality is there's going to be still respect for the people that are successful. And what I found on is there are three characteristics of that successful person. One of those characteristics would be a moral compass. And um, Martin Luther King obviously had a, a moral compass. His was wrapped around religion for sure, relative to the things that he was doing, relative to his Christian religion. The other one was going to be passion. And obviously passion puts yourself at risk lots of times in ways that we'll never probably have to worry about doing for the most part. And the last one was managing distractions of time and mind. So not that we're going to turn this into a training call, but for those people that might want to jot down some of the observations of the successful people that I've identified, because I'm always looking for the common thing, whether it was Abraham Lincoln and being president and fighting for slavery, or whether it's Obama or whether it was you know George Bush or whether it was any one of the other people that are out there beforehand, or any successful athlete or all of those things, what I find is when they stay on track, they have a moral compass. And whatever that might be, I don't know what it is for 
you, meaning listening in. For me, it has a lot to do with, um, and I, I hope I don't step on myself too much here, the religion, the, I grew up Roman Catholic, so so for me, yeah, me too. You know, so for me it was a little bit different, and um, I grew up Italian, if you will. So mm-hmm. we were allowed to kill people and then go to confession, you know, and everything was okay. <laughs> I hear you. You know, my dad is, was just telling me a story about how they were thought of as the dirty guineas in their local grocery store when he was in high school, and I got this lump in my throat thinking. It was that close to me, you know. Right. It was that close to me. So even like, like I mean, I grew up a nice little Italian girl in the Northeast, you know. But um, when it comes right down to it, it never touched me, Peter. Right. Never touched me like that, you know. Yeah. I had unique experiences, but it never, it, it was never directed at me in my home. I, I think about going to the grocery store with my mom and dad and having people spit at me and get out of line because they didn't want to be behind my family. And the the shame that comes attached with that. And the people who stood firm and tall and proud and they got their stuff and they let it slide off their back and they went to do great things, like my dad. I mean, my dad ended up the CIO of Elizabeth Arden Corporation. Um, and I bet you every once in a while he gets one of those little smug scoffs energetically or spiritually <laughs> that says, yeah. Dirty Guinea. <laughs> right. I think about it, and I'm like, "Wow, it was so close to us," you know. Yes, and and it's a shame that it existed, and most of that for that uh, group of people is mostly gone. Mm-hmm. Besides the stereotyping of whatever Jersey Shores and stuff like that, like, where do these people come from? Yeah. But the reality, <laughs> don't they was, remember? Get them off the air. <laughs> I know. Jeez, holy cow! What will people do for entertainment? Jeez. <laughs> And but the but the reality was is that having that moral compass for me was blemished relative to organized religion because I just saw the hypocrisy in many of the things that we kind of grew up with. So mm-hmm. having that and that has nothing to do with the religion. That was maybe the practice of the religion, if you will. But but I could definitely see that a lot of the things that are written and a lot of the beliefs also coincide with my own core values. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, I picked the term moral compass because for some people it might be their religion, for some people it might be their core values, it might be the things that your dad had mentioned to you or maybe your strong parent. But the common theme was, I don't, however you define it, it, I see the people that do super well long-term help the most people have that moral compass next is that I, well, hold on hold on there is someone with a strong moral compass who's sitting online with us right now okay. so i'm just going to go ahead and say bev i know you're here and if you want to chime in at any point or giggle out loud you're allowed oh uh, you guys are speaking to my heart thank you so much Good. can i say something yes mm-hmm Okay, you guys are speaking about something that I believe in the one, that we are all one. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about borders or countries or anything, I believe we we need to bring our borders down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in some of the areas that we're seeing this occur so well is in the arts. You know, um, music is borderless. And... You know, and it doesn't have a color. It doesn't have, 
you know, a religion attached to it. But, you know, and if we use music as an example here, you know, what's really great is that people can say, well, I like that or I don't, but they respect it. Right. And that is so beautiful in what I believe that in, if I had a goal, you guys, it's that, you know, we are all one, that we all love and we all have fears, but we... Um, we are one. We are the same. If we come together with that beautiful word respect, then we don't have situations um, of segregation and um, biases and, and all of the terrible things that occur with it. Um, so I go out into this world and I spread love. That's right. And, like and, I, and that's what we attract back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if somebody's afraid, because we all have fears, too, we embrace them with love. And that belief system um, doesn't have the United States of America or Canada or Norway or the hundreds of countries that we have on this beautiful planet. Um, we all start just being together, the one. So. That's what I wanted to say. And so thank you for reminding us um, that when we're afraid, sometimes we make wrong moves. But when we go out and we love the other end of the spectrum, we make all the right moves. Agree. Agree. Okay, Peter. Sorry. Carry on. Oh, great points. Absolutely great (laughs) points. You know, I I love the concept of um, we're all one in a common way, but I also love the concept that we're also very diverse. Mm-hmm. And expecting the same thing from everyone would be a mistake, but the diversity is what really brings the the really it, it adds the color to our world instead of being just uh, one color, if you will. Now we have a colorful world, and I love the diversity when it's done the right way for that common purpose. You know, everyone wins, kind of a thing. So, and I've definitely seen it with musicians for sure. I, my son became a musician. And he's a percussionist, so he has something in common with everybody that taps on something, no matter what it might be. <laughs> if you can hit it and it could give a little bit of a rhythm, they're all in line, regardless of whatever background it might be. Percussionists are kind of weird that way, and if they, if they can hit something with it, they're ready for it. But, but that, moral, that moral compass and that driving passion are the things that I find to be really great. And not to use examples of people that it look like, lost their moral compass or may have been seduced by their passion so much we take a look at the the lance armstrongs of the world who was blinded if you will by his initial passion for doing the great things that he did and it actually clouded his moral judgment or maybe he just didn't see it relative to the vast amount of doping charges and the vast amount of things that he had done previously well the next one is going to be the tough one which is managing the distractions of mind and of time so that's a really tough one as well so for those people that are listening in those are some of the things that i just kind of like i isolated for myself if i wanted to be more successful or find people that would be interested in working with me that were more successful i always said to myself where's their moral compass Where's their driving passion? And then the thing we always have to work on is where's the distraction of time and or mind? Because the challenge nowadays with the Internet 
is we're all exposed to so many things. And if you have a tendency of being someone that wants to learn a lot, you probably also have a tendency of being distracted easily because now you're just exposed to so many other things that you can have some exposure to. So those are the things that I just want to kind of mention relative to uh, relative to focus and, and passion. Now, for me and I know for you, Dawn, when we take a look at our passion, my passion is in helping people, and I refine mine towards helping people become successful in a home-based business because I see that in a home-based business it really brings people to part of my core values, bringing us back home. I think mm-hmm. some of the challenges that we face as a society is that we've, we don't do the home thing like we used to a long time ago. So bringing people back home is really crucial for me. And then being sufficient. Um, there are some challenges in our economy now that we don't always control, but if you know the rules in the game, you might be able to play those a little better. I'll use this as an example specifically. The government gave us a two-year holiday with Social Security that they had to take back, I'm guessing, because of the financial situation that we're in. So we'll get political on this call, who's at fault, whatever. It is the way it is, and we can't really control a lot of that stuff. But I do know if you're a W-2 earner, that if you look at your check, it was reduced by a few percentage points because of the economic environment that we're in right now. Where are you going to get that back? So next is health care reform has also put a squeeze on some people, too, because with the health care reform, that inevitably is a system that's absolutely, I don't think anybody would say we got a handle on it. It's absolutely out of control. One-seventh of our economy gets somehow directed towards health care. Whatever conspiracy or whatever you think, it doesn't matter. It's the way it is right now. We have to kind of deal with it. Some people are going to be able to make some changes, some people not. But there are some people right now have not paid attention that when we have the health care plan that we do, and some of the changes are implemented, companies are now responsible for health care, whatever that means, and by whoever's definition, for full-time employees. And then the working definition is, what's full-time? And the answer is, full-time is 30 hours or more. Now, I know that as a result of the way people work, you get the activities you want repeated. And when big companies are now said, wait a minute, full-timers get this and that's going to raise our cost, in a competitive world, they're going to have a lot of people reducing their hours to below 30 so they'll be part-time and not full-time. So for all those people in those marginal sections that have right now found, wait a minute, my hours are reduced as well, Now they're going more part-time because of the health care reform. So we have broken systems, real challenges, and my passion, so I'm bringing this back to my passion, is how do we help people that are now maybe in those situations or maybe affected by other people that are in those situations. My driving passion is what can we do to help people that want to be self-sufficient become more self-sufficient. So I kind of lead my moral compass my passion for some of the things we do, and then we just have to manage those distractions, the time and the mind ones, so we can stay focused on the things that I'm looking for. So if you're here on the Dash Radio, you'll always hear me talking about 
that home-based business, self-sufficient, go, be responsible, do all those types of things, and that's where you find my driving passion. So not being negative, just being real. This is the economic environment that we're in. Here's what we can do to change it, and the strong people like the Martin Luther Kings of the world, will be those dreamers, don't want to throw myself in that category, will be those dreamers that will live and we will die until that's done. So I just want to kind of throw that out there. Absolutely. And, you know, on the topic of home business, I have been, as you know, an advocate and a passionate doer in that industry for over 25 years now. And you know, as as both sides, I've I've been I've been an affiliate. I was brand new, you know, cutting my teeth 25 years ago on Amway and Mary Kay, and and um and I dreamed the dream, you know, and I lived the dream, and uh, I went all the way up through the ranks and and worked super hard and went through all sorts of different companies to find the ones that really suited me and what my thing was, and I know that there's people listening, and they're all in different places within that industry because you know you might start with Mary Kay tube in a tube of mascara in your hand you're like nah that's not for me similar to the way Peter reacted when he had a tube of mascara in his hand and so you know you might you might end up in in something like Amway and you're you know working to change people's buying decisions on the products that they're already buying um, and then you're like you know what this one's not for me and then you move to something else and you move to something else until you find the thing you know, and and you know, sometimes it takes some some findings. There's also people who who just never find their thing because they're not really looking for their thing. They're looking for the next thing, and it's always the next thing. So you got to be super careful not to be that that guy because um, we call him Bizob dude. You know, he's the guy who's always got something to bring up at the next family gathering, but it's never the thing that he was doing at the last family gathering. And it's really important not to be that guy because that guy never succeeds at anything, you know. Um, About 25 years ago when I got network marketing, there was this thing that that was really important. It was the big secret in success, and it was called focus, you know. Focus, dedication, commitment, longevity with a company. You stayed with a company, and you worked the program until the program was making you money. And then you you were loyal to the company and you stuck with it and you fell in love with a product and a company and a culture and you built a sales organization and you stuck with it for the people that you built into your sales organization and you did whatever it took to make it successful in an ethical and moral way. And, um, you know, now there are 500 opportunities a day getting put in front of all of your people and it is a much tougher climate and I preach the exact same thing, um, and I know that Bev does. He's one of one of the really great guys out there, one of the strongest network marketing leaders I've met. Um, loves her people, and you know I've met some amazing, amazing networking leaders. And you know the one thing I can tell you is they're not hoppers, and they are committed to their program. And they sometimes will have to make a move because the program isn't either stable or it disappears or. You know, some action was taken against it, whatever it might be, but that doesn't change who the leadership is. Um, and so, you know, as, as she's, she's our little Viking. She's a Canadian Viking, Peter. I don't know if you know this. This is a pretty special lady. Of Canadian Vikings don't come along often. 
Um, but she has a huge group in Norway, and, um, you know, we were talking about it the other day. You know, a networker looking for a program is a fish out of water till they find it, you know, and then once you do, you got to make sure that you're really looking in the right places. Everybody calls. Uh, Peter knows. He gets the same call. How do you find the right program? Peter, have you, do you have anything on this that you want to share? Because I know it's a question we get literally every day. Well, if you're speaking about home-based business kinds of programs, um, one of the things that I've always learned is, uh, and and I'm I'm blemished as far as my uh, view of the network marketing direct sales world based on where I was raised, because I grew up in direct sales, specifically with a company for uh, vacuum cleaners called Electrolux. When I looked at network marketing, it was a subsection of direct sales. There had to be people that were salespeople, and then you had to have customers, and customers um, were customers. They weren't part of the deal, or they weren't part of the compensation plan. They were just regular people that would buy the product anyway. And the biggest challenge, I think, perpetually in the network marketing industry is we forget that it's a subsection of direct sales. Mm-hmm. Some Somebody, somewhere started a rumor that sales was like evil or sales was bad (laughs) and that no selling was a strength. And I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, what's wrong with these people? They are, now again, direct sales background, guy maybe testosterone-driven would say they are weak. Nothing happens until somebody sell something in a Mm -hmm. business. That's right. As a sales guy, I watch the lawyers run the company. I watch the executives run the company. I saw the inventory guys run the company. And the company was never so strong when it was balanced with the sales guys running the company. Mm -hmm. Because my job was to make sure we always had plenty of sales so those people on the factory that were willing to work the safer jobs as far as the security of their paycheck, always knew that we can keep that factory running 24 hours a day, seven days a week if we needed to. It was my responsibility as the sales manager to make sure that we service those customers. So where I came from my very prejudiced direct sales background, where it was done that kind of way, which was the strong way, we made things happen all the time, For me to come to a network marketing industry that said, no selling. Are you kidding me? What's wrong with you people? Why would anyone want to promote no selling? No selling. Well, you're sales. How can you have a commission if there's no selling? Like your your cash flow stops if somebody's not buying stuff. So... And they can't be all the same people. Otherwise, it's just like a buying club and certainly nothing that's going to be right. So from my background, it would always be it's a sales profession where there has to be a valuable product that someone would buy if they weren't part of the compensation plan. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my big things. So any company that would be pushing anything the other way, would be what I would say suspect of being a different philosophy or a weaker style. And those are the ones that sometimes, you know, are the ones that are regulated and they get in trouble and things get out of whack and all that sort of stuff, and that's another conference call. But the scenario for me is uh, 
is it a strong sales-related company? Next, of course, everything falls apart with the people. Everything falls apart with the people, or everything stays together with the people. So it's always about the people if you want it to be long-term. So you take a look at the people, and mostly the intestinal fortitude of those people. Do they have what it takes to stick to it, um, even when the times are tough, even when it's kind of hard? And when you find the right combination of a good foundation and the right people, then the rest of it, quite honestly, is whatever you build of it. Absolutely. Just when I took a look at whatever I was doing, I was just like, give me the opportunity don't mismanage me. Leave me alone. Let me build my business. Let us create our own culture. And that's the beauty of being an independent contractor. You can develop your own culture with your own group. And if everybody is doing things the right way, here's the naive part. If everybody is doing things the right way, then it will stay and it will grow and it will expand. The biggest challenges are shortcuts. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that that I will say is, you know, so many people get involved in a network marketing company without really, really making a decision as far as their sponsor, Peter. And, And I think that, you know, one of the things that we need to look at whenever we're entering a program is who are we getting into business with? Because if it's just the guy who showed you the pamphlet and it's not about who you actually want to go ahead and embark and do some business with, then you're going to sell yourself super short. Um, Now, you can't rely that the person who sponsors you into the business is going to be there in 90 days because, you know, some people go ahead and change businesses like they change underwear. So I'm going to say, you know, always be guarded in the sense that you may have to do it alone because when you're entering a business, you know, the person who the success of that business is up to is absolutely, unequivocally, and always going to be you. However... When you're first getting your feet wet, there's nothing like having somebody who actually knows what they're talking about to show you the ropes. And really, that's what I believe that a sponsor's job is. You know, if you're going to get a portion of my sales, which every sponsor does, then and my and, and probably my purchasing as well, the least you could do is show me this business and be able to teach it to me and do some three ways with me and and um, and hold my hand a little bit when I first get started. Show me what it is to, it, it means to be in this business. What do I need to buy? What do I need to sell? How do I need to sell it? How do I need to say it? And, you know, what is the groovy stuff that made you go, I love this thing and I want to be part of it? Um, and, and then how do I sell it to a customer? How do I find customers? You know, all of those things are really the job of a sponsor. Do not be looking at Amway or Mary Kay or whatever network marketing company you're looking at and think that the president of the company should be doing that job for you. He shouldn't be doing that job for you. That's not his job. His job is to make sure you've got a working product, a working comp plan, the checks are going out, and that you know all of the stuff that's happening at headquarters is getting done. He is not the guy who's going to do a three-way call because you met him at brunch and he was he was nice enough or fool enough to go ahead and give you a cell phone number, thinking that you would be very careful not to use it and that you call him on a Tuesday at two o'clock in the afternoon with six of your friends from you know the football game. Um, you have to be super careful about and 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 especially because you know there's a lot of guys at the corporate level they're not good at the pitch. That's not what they do. 
they're not the person that's going to help you sell either the product to a customer or the company to a prospect. So always make sure that you're tying yourself in strong with a great sponsor. How did they present the business that you're looking at to you if they were the ones who presented it? Um, if, you, if you're going and you're looking, if there's <laughs> – I'm going to date myself now. If there's an opportunity meeting in your area, <laughs> meaning yeah. people are all dressed up nice and they all go to this place and they're all talking about the business and there's a whiteboard in front and they're drawing circles on, on sheets of paper and, and sharing with you what the opportunity looks like. Um, and, and when you go to one of these, pay attention. Pay attention to who is seemingly running the opportunity meeting, who's seemingly doing well, who's walking stage and getting recognized. Because those things really help if you're looking for who your leadership is going to be or if you're wanting to choose who your leadership is. And um, if, if the company is close to you, it would be a very smart thing to go ahead and call, see if they've got you know a monthly event where they introduce themselves to, to the people that are interested in their program, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, doing your due diligence, knowing who you're getting into business with, whether that's your upline sponsor corporate or both, um, and I think both is probably the smartest move because, you know, we we take like six months to decide on hair color um, or, you know, what we, we, we could take weeks to decide what we're going to wear to an event as a woman, but, you know, it seems to me that people just jump into a network marketing home business with the whoever hands them the brochure and they don't look into that and say, hmm, because maybe maybe because they're disillusioned and don't understand that they're going to be working sometimes if they're working hard and really want a successful business, 17-hour days with their sponsor. That I mean, because anybody who ever said that network marketing has no work in it when the word work is literally in the middle of network marketing is lying to you. Um, it's a lot of work. And so... If, if you're embarking on something that's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be a lot of time spent with your sponsor, who is supposed to be, by the very nature of the word sponsor, teaching you and holding your hands and taking you through the process of learning how to build and grow this business, then wouldn't it be a really wise move to be very, very select in how you choose that sponsor? I think so. I think so. And bringing this back to Martin Luther King, if you take a look at you know the way people of a religious persuasion might do things, they follow the same book all the time. There's not like a new book, like this week <laughs> written by such and such an author. They stick to their core values, and then they go to work on it all of the time, constantly building their belief, constantly learning their trade. Uh, going through the proven system with an unwavering faith. Even though you don't see it, there's an unwavering faith. And that's the thing that I really respect about people that do use the moral compass of religion. It's not like there's a new book tomorrow. There's no new author about this thing. It's it's the old-fashioned principles, the words that came down from the collective people who were guided to write down those words it's that stuff, and they do it, you know, they go to church on Wednesday night, and they come to church on Sunday, and whatever other day it might be for those people. But for me, I remember when I was a young man growing up, it was every Sunday, not the ones that I felt like going to, you know. It was every Sunday, and it was stand-up and kneel. I got most of my exercise in church, right? Stand-up and kneel. 
and then learn those words and then understand the traditions. Um, but the most important part was stick with it. Stick with it. And that's why I wanted to bring it back to this is because the, the companies that I find that are going to be the ones that are the best ones, and it's really tough in today's day and age to stay focused. And a lot of companies don't, so there is a lot of jumping around, and that's what you see all the time. But the reality is, is if, you, if you're looking to build a business for yourself and you find a good company, um, I've learned the expression, there's no strength in weakness. It's very weak to jump all over the place. It's very weak to be um, seduced by the shortcuts. It's very weak to be, you know, those people that are only following hype and over-promotion. And can you make a lot of money doing it that way in our industry? That's the bad part. The answer is yes, and some people follow that as their path to making all of that money. But I say that will never exist or that will never exist long-term. And the part that I always have the problem with, Don, in our industry, and if I'm venting a little bit about our industry, it's the guy or the gal who said, oh, I've built major downlines in seven different network marketing companies. Like, well, wait a minute. Didn't you just need one? Right. Like, didn't you just need one? Mm-hmm. And And if you do things that way, so a little bit more traditional, but the idea is you make your decision. Who am I to tell you what? You want to do to be able to make your own money. But if you're asking what is the ones that I would be looking for, the people you surround yourself with, are they focused? Do they have their compass on north? And I don't want to see this the wrong way, but once the compass goes off north, um, whatever they decided originally, that's usually the time that it's the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. I, I just excuse myself from a company. I do some conference calls for them. I just kind of excuse myself this week. Because their polar their their poles change, you know, like negative, positive, positive, mm-hmm. negative, north, south, kind of like flipped all over the place. And I'm like, well, you guys are gyrating, trying to figure this stuff out. Let me let you be responsible for your own gyration here. But I think you're going to get this thing spinning out of control, and I totally disagree with it. If it works for you, great. But I've seen this before, where the gyration flies all over the place. People just looking for answers. Where the real answer is, go back to work. <laughs> if, if anybody ever told you if you lose your faith go back to the book go back mm-hmm. to church go back to the people that are the strong leaders and if you find strong leaders that are introducing a new book or a new concept chances are they lost their focus go back to the things you need to and that never dying moral compass of wait a minute I want to do what's right wait a minute if you take a look at Martin Luther King he had things based on the premise of Nonviolence, nonviolence. It was more of the premise of love, of helping other people, as opposed to violence. And although, not to sound short-sighted, you can't be pushing the whole nonviolence thing without realizing that there's a sliver of violence still in the world, and that may be the thing that gets you. Your your motivating operating decisions are about love, nonviolence, helping people win-win-win every step of the way. And if you can find that with a company and you can work and go to work and every time somebody says no selling required, no recruiting requirement, reject that. Wait a minute. That's what we do. We sell. We recruit. We build. (laughs) This is 
this is good. We find customers. We find more salespeople. We, we move a lot of product. If you find people that aren't telling that story, more than less likely, unless you're in it just for the money, um, then you're probably not going to have something that's going to build long term. Right. And that's a fight, Don. I mean, that is, is a fight. And it is a non-popular fight as well. So when I take a look at people like Martin Luther King and the other people before him that fought similar things, we kind of know what it's like to be in that fight. So mm-hmm. that's why we did the Dash Radio, so we can show people how there's other people out there that see it the same exact way, and the more people we have singing from this same book, the better the possibilities we have of helping to create a really good environment for the people that want to pay attention. Absolutely, Peter. Absolutely. And and I think that, you know, if if we go ahead and, and every one of us, we, we put our focus and our time in and and uh and we make those commitments to ourselves to our sponsors to our companies you know we can we can go ahead and and really shine in this industry our industry is just bleeding out there for people who want to make a stand who want to do it the right way and you know who want to get the job done it's um it, it's taken its hits you know and uh we we've sat and we've watched it take its hits we've watched we've watched good people take really tough hits um, and we've watched, you know, even with the DRA, you know, you created the DRA because there were a lot of companies out there that were uh, wrongfully terminating. There were all sorts of things, just like Martin Luther King and, and, and all of the ways that, that uh, the timeline has progressed outside of the network marketing industry. Inside that same industry, there is also a timeline, and there are its heroes and there are its organizations, and there are, you know, the, the how do you say, the... Um, Okay, I lost what it, it, it how it progresses and those unique moments on the timeline that that change things within the industry and um and where we are now we have a huge huge advantage when it comes to technology. We also have some disadvantages in highly competitive market space because of those same technologies we you know we we have a great recruiting tool, but it's a recruiting tool that's spamming everybody. Um, so, you know, there's some double-edged swords within it, but there is nothing faster than being able to go ahead and access people and be able to get uh, something that you find really important in front of them um, like there is today. So, you know, be responsible with what you're going ahead and, and putting out there in front of people is, is hugely important and um, and use the tools, you know. Make sure you use the tools that are available to you once you have taken the time to make your decision. <laughs> I can't impress that one enough. That's right. Yeah, That's can't right. impress it enough. And the hard part, uh, I think, about a lot of this is realizing that most of the things that you will do will be unnoticed. So <laughs> That's true. They won't be recognized. You won't get a plaque, and they won't be talking about you. And for some reason, that seems like, okay, just because somebody won't be looking or somebody won't pay attention doesn't mean that it's not recognized. So I know that, uh, you know, listening to this call either live or maybe the taped version, there are countless people that are out there that do wonderful things for so many different people that aren't recognized. So whether it's stuff you do for your church, whether it's stuff you do for your family or your home, there's a lot of heroes out there that we don't get birthdays, you know, national holidays and things like that. But it's a day of celebration to realize that, you know what, um, if you do the right things long enough and consistently, it will be recognized and it will win. And like that one theme that um, 
was in that movie, I don't remember, I think it was called I Legend when I sent you that, Don, that little mm-hmm. YouTube version of Will Smith saying, you know, why do you, oh, with, he was referencing Bob Marley. Yep. Why, why do you do the things that you do? And he was just shot, and he still went on stage anyway. And he says, because the bad guys, he says, I had to do this because the bad guys don't take any days off. That's right. And the reality is, is for all those people that are here, let's be the good guys and gals. We don't take a day off. We do it, but we don't always get recognized. But I'll share with you, somebody's watching. And it's the people that are watching when you don't realize they're watching that really make a big difference. So in a day, you know, where people are rewarded for doing the wrong thing, um, especially on the Internet nowadays, you know, it's, it's, and, and people's views get clouded by whatever they think is their level of success, I take a look at the Martin Luther King um, nonviolence. I take a look at the Martin Luther King about love. If we had um, uh, the gentleman that we brought to one of the conventions with us who pushes Ogmandino, how come I'm drawing a blank? Uh, oh, Dave. Yeah, Dave. What's David's last name? Ah, I, know I don't remember. Right. Like, I can't believe it. Sorry, David. I will make sure that I remember. But... Um, but, oh, gosh, I just drew a blank. I feel so bad. But we'll make sure he gets on this call because I was thinking about having him on this call, too, relative to he took over for Ogmandino's uh, brand. And mm-hmm. Ogmandino was a lot about the uh, agape, love, if you will. If you're, if you're focused on those things, I really sincerely do think that, um, that that's the way to do it. At least that's Dave the way Blanchard. I want to Dave Blanchard, thank you. You're welcome that I want to do it that way. <laughs> oh, and by the way, like we have to plug Dave Blanchard since I botched up his Well, intro. yeah, I was just going to say, I have one of his autographed books that if, if somebody wants to go ahead and post on our Facebook fan page that they would like to go ahead and get a copy of his book, I will give away the first person who posts on the Facebook fan page, I want Dave Blanchard's new book. I will go ahead and send them an autographed copy. And he How's is a, that? He is a kindred spirit whose message is riveting. So mm-hmm. we will definitely have him on one of our calls as well, or one of these shows as well. He's a wonderful gentleman. But the thing that I loved about his book, and I've read about Ogmandino as well. I just never got the message until it was delivered by David, as much as it was. But it was that whole thing. So who are you going to follow? Like, who are you going to follow? Is it going to be like, for lack of a better educational expression, is it going to be like Snooky on Jersey Shore? <laughs> is it, it going to be like, you know, is it going to be Kim Kardashian and whatever's happening in her life or whatever's going on on TMZ? Or what are you going to follow? Where are you going to spend your time and your mind? Is, is it going to be on the goofy stuff that's going on? Or since you have a limited amount of time, and a limited amount of resources are going to be on the stuff that's going to really make a difference for yourself and for lots of other people. So that's why it's a, again, we've said it a couple of times, why I wanted to do this call on the respect of the people that have those principles of faith and they put things in action. Those are our heroes um, as a result of, uh, of doing the stuff that they did. And um, relative to... Uh, the the state that we're in right now relative to how spoiled we really are on how we don't have to worry about the same stuff that lots of people before us had to worry about on a regular basis is the stuff that I say, come on, man, let's go. With this economic environment, with this privileged environment that we're in right now, we can do really great things. And with the Internet, those really great things can um, spread 
just as fast as those really stupid things have a tendency of spreading as as well. So if you had a difference of posting one thing versus another, the good stuff is way better than the bad stuff. And um, we'll talk about that stuff a little bit later on as well. But, Don, I will let you add whatever else you want to add as we are starting to wrap up our show. We certainly are. Thank you so much. And, you know, I I just have to say <clears throat> that, you know, as I was coming on here, I'm like, okay, Martin Luther King, how, if we're going to do a call or do a show on, on Martin Luther King, I don't know enough about Martin Luther King because, as you said, Peter, you know, this was this all happened before me. I studied a little bit. I've helped my kids study a little bit. But I thought, what are we going to do with this show? And And like we always have said, you and I, if you put us together with a conversation topic, we'll find our way through. And I, I think that we did. And I think that, you know, everybody, I mean, I used to sit down with my kids and be like, you know, what, what could I possibly talk to them about this particular topic and how can I get it across? And, and um, you guys, I have some really tender memories of having conversations that I was flubbing my way through, but my kids... My kids brought something home from school. So if right now, you know, you've got a kid, they're out there, they, they're really not sure what this whole Martin Luther King Day was, you know, go online, do a little bit something with them, but spend a little bit of time with your kids on it because it's a really powerful topic. And, and you'll find that you'll find things to talk about, just like Peter and I did tonight. <laughs> because there's, you know, when there's a great person involved and they had a brilliant dream and they were grounded and they decided they were going to make a difference, you know, there's all sorts of messages in there, even if, um, you know, the fact-based chronology might not be fresh for you. So, so you know, spread the word. Do some do some good damage out there in your lives and in the lives of other people this week. And uh, we'll be here tomorrow night to talk about something else. Bye.